Hey guys, welcome to the Short Term Show special episode series, 10 episode deep dive on the Galveston and Crystal Beach, Texas markets. Couple notes before we dive in. If you guys are looking for current income and current prices of properties in this market, you can get all of that info on our website at theshorttermshop.com. You can set up searches just like you do on Zillow or realtor.com, all those places. And we do have all the income data as well. So be sure to check that out. Also make sure you check out our other special episode series. So we have 20 markets that we operate as real estate agents in, and we have 10 episode series just like this one on all of those. Make sure to check out the short-term show as well as the short-term rental management show, and be sure to join our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental Long-Term Wealth. Same title as my book. Now let's go ahead and dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short Term Show special episode series on Galveston and Crystal Beach. We have a few familiar faces, some from this series, some from other series here to help us talk about how to build your buying team in this market. So first we have Kelsey Ardwin. Kelsey, they know who you are at this point, but introduce yourself anyway. Yes. Uh, my name is Kelsey Ardwin. I am a short-term shop realtor in the Galveston Crystal Beach market. I've been helping people buy uh, investors like yourself buy houses in this market for about two years now. And I own two in this market and one in the Smokies. All right. And next, uh, we have a familiar face from a lot of different short-term shop podcast entity things. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but Derek's been on a lot of my <laughs> podcasts, a lot of Luke's podcasts. Uh, Derek Tellier. So Derek, you want to introduce yourself for this? Oh, my pleasure, Avery. Yeah, Derek Tellier. I am a, a full-time agent in the Smokies, but I do have an investment property in Crystal Beach that I bought just about two years ago. Kelsey was involved in the beginning of that. She took my first ever video of that mm -hmm. property when, uh, when I bought it. So she got to see it before me and she was my eyes. And uh, she has been great to help me along the way in the last couple of years as well. So yeah, investor out in that area, uh, love the beach market. It's really cool. So glad to be here to help. That was the very first week that I had come on with the shop. And yeah. so yours was actually my very first video. There you go. <laughs> oh my goodness. And how things come full circle. So yeah, Derek, um, you've you've come a long way in your investing career. Derek and I have known each other, guys, for those who aren't listening for like a decade now, when we were both in completely different industries. So yeah, very much so. <laughs> long time. Well, anyway, you guys, Derek, you know a lot about having to build your buying team. You you own a lot of doors. So let's talk about what we're gonna talk about today, guys, are the people that you need to complete a transaction and then later manage your property. Uh, in this market. So we're going to talk about, you know, lenders, agents, the people that you need to buy the property and then cleaners, handymen, et cetera, and how you find them. Those are the people that help you manage the property. So kind of end to end here. But first of all, where do we start? Do we start with a lender? Do we start with an agent? I think you could, you could really start with either, but what do you guys think? I would start with an agent um, just because an agent has seen who can actually close. So over the course, so I, in my buyer's guide, I have a, probably five or so, uh, different, uh, lenders, loan officers listed, and they're either people that I've used for closings or I've seen over and over and over again, you know, tested, they'll get you across the finish line. Um, you can start with a lender. And if you have somebody you have a personal relationship with, maybe not personal, but you have a business relationship with, 
They communicate well. They are offering you good financing. There's no reason why you can't go with that person. But if you don't have anybody, it would be better to go with a um, someone who's, you know, they've seen that they'll get you across the finish line rather than just finding someone random. And I'll back up to even a step before that, because the first thing you have to do is determine your market. So you know, the first person you should be looking for is is YouTube and things of this nature. And the reason you're watching these calls, because you're trying to decide what market do I want to be in. So hopefully you're watching these because you're thinking, maybe I want to be in that Crystal Beach, Galveston market. So the first thing you need is some some research and some influence. Now, once you do establish the market, I do believe an agent is probably the first person that you should contact uh, with the exception being that you may also, if you now obviously short-term shop is built on self-management, but if you are not planning to self-manage, there's a lot of people out there that aren't, then I think congruently with finding that agent is also finding a property manager. That's really important. Certainly in the long-term rental world, we all know that. Um, but those, a good agent can also refer you to a good property manager. So Agent, property manager, side by side, kind of depends on your path, but only after you've determined if this is a market you even want to be in. 100%. So when you're finding an agent, there's a lot of ways you can do that. Usually the best way to do it is from getting recommendations from other investors. And a lot of times if you're new to a market and you don't know how to find, like you don't know any investors in the market, what you might do is join a Facebook group, like a local real estate investing or local short-term rental investing real estate group that's local to the area you're buying in. And if you go in there and post and say, hey, you know, who do you guys love as an agent here? You're going to get a lot of recommendations, a lot of different people. But what you want to do before you even call any agent that anybody has recommended, ask that person who's recommending them, hey, have you ever done a transaction with this person? Because what you're going to see is a lot of people getting on there recommending their friend, their wife, their cousin, their mom, who might be really, really nice, but may not be the right person to help you find a short-term rental in that market. So always make sure that that person has done a transaction with the person that they're recommending. Yeah, and 100%. Uh, I think on that too, is do a little bit of research, do the work. Don't just take a recommendation and say, okay, cool. I'm going to call this person or that person. Do do the Facebook stalking, do the Google stalking, find out who that person is. How many deals yeah. can you see have they done? How active are they in that market? Who do you know that may know uh, what they've actually done? I think there are a lot of agents who think they can sell in a particular market. I mean, so I've had some listings lately and I'll get agents out of Houston who've never done a transaction in this market. Yeah, of course they can help you buy, but they don't have any resources for the most part. They don't they don't know any, they don't know what forms need to be used. They don't they don't have any market specific knowledge. They absolutely are licensed here and can sell here, but buying with somebody who does not typically do a lot of business period or doesn't do a lot of business in that specific market is a gamble on your part and a lot of times that agent, the buying agent is leaning on the listing agent to provide that. Yeah, the, the riches are in the niches, right? So you want to find an agent that's really niched down to your area and your market. A perfect example is, you know, Houston's not that far away. And there are probably agents that have done thousands of transactions in Houston that could make you that could make you think that they are the ideal agent to help you because they've done so many transactions. But if they've done two short-term rentals on the beach, then they are, I don't care how many transactions they've done, they're not an expert at what you're trying to buy. So it's not just how much volume they've done. It's not just how many transactions they've done. 
It's how many transactions like what you're buying in the very specific area that you're buying. Uh, how, how have they done? I couldn't agree more. And I'm happy as you know, a sometimes listing agent <laughs> to uh, have people who are experienced to work with people who are in this market. Um, and I'm happy to have those buyers come in from Houston as well. But I know for a fact, I just had one. Um, I know for a fact that when it's an agent who doesn't do a lot of this a lot of business in this market, there's going to be a lot of handholding on the buyer's agent side because they don't know. They don't know any of the answers to any of the questions that their client is asking them. Well, and, and it can be a little dangerous too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like we've had a few listings come up lately. Uh, there can be things if you're buying and I would, call, even though this is a beach market, I would call it a rural market compared to like Houston. And there are things that will be different like septics and there are different building codes and standards. And we just got a few listings from a big fund that just used some random agents in another market. They bought like a five bedroom property and there was no, and the way it works in the market that we got these listings in is you have to list the property according to the number of bedrooms that the septic is rated for, not the actual number of bedrooms. So they just had a really unlucky situation where the listing agent on the property that they bought happened to be from Knoxville, did not have any of that septic information attached. Didn't I don't know how it made it through the MLS, honestly, without getting flagged, but they didn't have any septic information, listed it as a five bedroom. This fund used whatever agent answered the phone first, also from Knoxville, wasn't, wasn't local to the Smoky Mountains. And they bought this house as a five bedroom, had no idea it is a one bedroom septic. So they brought it to us to list. And we said, okay, well, this is what we think the price is. Then we go to list it, get all our ducks in a row to get all the documents onto the MLS and find this. And so now we have to go back to these people and say, by the way, this is may not be worth what you paid for it because of this. So it really is important to use a local expert and you probably won't see this too much in this market, but you also want to use an agent who is an expert in short-term rentals. So if you've got a local agent, and I, I like to see busy agents who do a lot of deals, and I'll get to why in a minute, but if they did 100 deals last year and only two of them were short-term rentals, I'd rather have somebody who did 10 deals last year and they were all short-term rentals than somebody who only did two. Uh, because it's just a very, very different beast selling residential primary and selling short-term rentals. There's just a lot of different things that are important on one side and not important on the other. And really regulations and are really, really important. I um, got a recommendation for an agent uh, I was going to buy in a market that we don't operate in. And we're it's a market where there's a lot of condos and we're looking and I said, okay, what are the rules about this one? I really like this one, but is there some kind of rule where you have to use, it was attached to like a, a hotel brand is in a crazy market. And I said, do we have to use their management? And they said, well, no, it's your property. You can do whatever you want. And I'm like, that's not true <laughs> in any market. That just the fact that you said that tells me that's alarming. Yeah, that you're you probably don't do this a lot. And I and I did go and find another agent after that. So you you really need to make sure you're using a local short-term rental expert because there are just so many little nuances that they need to know to best protect you to make sure that you are buying what you think you're buying. So yeah, there are some nuances in this market that a lot of times people just don't think about. Uh, and a outside agent would absolutely not know that there are COBRA zones or CRBS zones where and that's a big one. Insurance isn't offered. Yeah. 
That's those are crazy. They have those in a couple of the other markets that we're in too. And you would never know until you're to the end of a transaction. I know uh, on the beginning because I know all the areas. Um, yeah, that that would yeah. be key for me. And beach markets are unique. I'm in the mountains, right? So when I went to the beach market, I was very dependent on on my agent to help me because this was totally outside of anything I had ever done with. Doesn't matter how many deals I had done, I had never done anything in a beach market. So I, I didn't know these things. I didn't know this type of thing. And even specific location, when you're you know, in the Smokies, if you're in 15, 20 minutes of the, the strip, you're probably in good shape, give or take with exceptions. On the beach, it's very different. And your agent is gonna know what blocks to be on. In some areas, you can be three, four blocks away and it can do well. In other areas, if you're not on the first two, you're not going to do well. So, I mean, that's critical that they know every every nuance of just the general locations. And that's important in any market, but, you know, it's definitely in a beach market where one area of the beach may not be as nice as another area. And an agent that doesn't really spend time there and doesn't do short-term rentals there is not going to recognize the potential for the revenue versus, you know, one of those areas. And I had a client, one of my favorite clients, we were talking yesterday and she was asking me about a house that I had told her about. And she's like, she wanted my honest opinion, which I give all the time. But she uh, she commented that, well, I probably, you know, wouldn't, you know, tell people what I, you know, to not buy a house. I'm like, no, I tell people not to buy houses all the time. <laughs> I absolutely tell people not to buy houses, squatty houses. Oh, my gosh. Don't buy a squatty beach house where it feels yeah. like you're like squatting to get underneath <laughs> it. I mean, I'm not even particularly tall, very average height. But if I like, you know, you get to like seven or eight feet underneath the house, it's not a hangout space anymore. It's just a walkway, a covered walkway to get to the stairs. And and that's a big mistake. And I see people who bought at the height of the market, not with me, <laughs> and they want to go resell the house. And I'm like, I saw that coming a mile away because you bought a squatty house. It, they're, <laughs> they're just not fun. You can look at, you can look at like a, the, the biggest tell because people are looking from out of state is that um, you look under their house and you see like a man door, like an actual door to get under the house or to get into the garage. Those are like seven feet tall. So if the bottom of the house, like the next floor is pretty much flush with that, that's too short. That's That's not a hangout space anymore. So a nice tall underneath is a good one. I see people make that mistake a lot. Yeah. Um, trying to think what else. So Lenders too. So a lot of times your agent will have a great lender recommendation, especially in times like a few years ago when it's a really competitive market for buyers. The lender that you use can sometimes make a difference in your offer getting accepted over someone else's. Same with the agent that you use, by the way. Uh, we had a, a seller recently who listed with us and he said, if a certain agent sends an offer, he doesn't care what it is. He does not want anything to do with that offer because of the way that agent presents themselves and talks about listings, et cetera, on social media. They said, I don't want anything to do with them. I don't care if it's over asking. So um, the agent that you use and the lender that you use and the relationships that they have with the other agents in that market really does make a difference. You don't want to use, no, like nobody wants to answer the phone for someone that makes, that you know that's mean or makes their life hard or uh is difficult and yeah. or just frankly that they don't like like you don't want to think that things like that matter in terms of getting a deal but there are a lot of 
intangibles that go into making sure you get the deal in a multiple offer situation. And there can be times when your buyer as a buyer's agent on the buyer side, you can feel like maybe your agent isn't doing, isn't representing you fully. It's not just like attacking the listing agent with the thing that you really want fixed or done or whatever. But there's a this intangible thing about, you know, and it's a common knowledge also, but it really does apply to transactions that you get more flies with honey than vinegar. And oh, yeah. Hundred percent, and and Crystal Beach is a very very small place. Uh, I work very hard to be kind to every listing agent because there's not that many of us. <laughs> there's not that many agents. Uh, maintaining relationships with them, being nice every time I call. Those are not things that you ever see that I do, but you have to do it even in difficult transactions because I absolutely will encounter that person again. Yeah, and- relationship. Are huge, of course, and and get and getting back to lenders too. In a beach market, uh, I experienced this. I worked down in Gulf Shores for a while in 2022, and, and beach markets are very different because there are certain lenders that just can and can't do things, and they understand the market better. So when you're talking, when you're building your team, you know you also need to make sure that you have a lender that truly understands one short-term rentals and short-term rentals in a beach market. Because if you bought 15 cabins in the mountains, but this is your first one in the beach market, if that lender is not that you've worked with in the mountains, it's been great to you, does not do deals in the beach market, even if they can, but they're not, they don't know the local appraisers, they don't know the local insurance companies, they don't know the nuances of that, that can bite you. So again, obviously it all lynch pinches back to the the agent because if the agent is really good and really knows their local market, then they should have all these other connections. That should be where a lot of these other connections come from. But having a lender that truly understands your market and has a track record of closing in that market, which Kelsey hit on early, is absolutely critical. When I bought mine in, in Texas, I did not use the lenders that I had used in Tennessee. I went to a lender that was recommended to me by local Texas folks that knew that beach area and knew that market and felt confident that they could take care of me. Well, and that's really, it's hard to explain it to people who have not experienced (laughs) the joys of the shop, but uh, you walk in and you don't have to have, you don't have to have supplied all of that stuff. You are assigned to an agent and that agent has tons of resources. Um, The first thing I do is I send somebody my buyer's guide when they schedule a call with me. So they already have a list of inspectors. They already have tons of information. Uh, They have a list of lenders who are tried and true. Then you get under contract. And 10 days later, when your option period, if you've chosen to have one, is uh, over and you're still under contract, you get an entire vendor list when you attend Management Monday. You've got, I remove cleaners from the list because there's no way that they can keep track. They just, it just doesn't work. You have to go to the Facebook groups for that. But the links to the Facebook groups are in there. And then uh, we also have a, uh, a Texas short-term shop uh, Facebook group that's specific to this market so that you can go in and say, hey, I'm going to interview these three cleaners. Has anybody had good or bad experience with these? And you can kind of get some very specific uh, feedback from current owners on if they know who that person is. Um, if you need HVAC, you find out during, you know, any of it. But if you find out during inspection that you need an HVAC person to come check something out, I'll send you, 
you know, the handful of HVAC inspectors so we can get somebody out there ASAP. It's not completely on you in a market that may be out of state for you to just figure it all out. Most of that is figured out for you. Yeah, I agree with that. And it can make a difference too, again, in, in a multiple offer situation, if a listing agent knows or has dealt with the lender that you're using before and they have a good, they're, the lender is not going to be talking to the the listing agent, but if they know that that lender gets people closed, they don't get tripped up at the finish line, it can make a difference. So you always want to use a local lender, or at least lending is much more of a national business than being an agent. Like agents are very localized, but a lot of times lenders can be national, but still do a lot of deals in, in certain markets. So as long as they're doing, I think an agent absolutely needs to be local, but a lender, as long as they do a lot of deals of the asset class you're trying to buy in, in the market that you're trying to buy in, then you're in good shape. Yeah. The lender doesn't need to be physically local, but they, they need to do business locally. Yeah, 100%. I, uh, one of the things that I do that I think helps my offers get accepted back when, you know, getting your offer accepted was <laughs> harder to do uh, is when I send the offer, uh, I actually CC the loan officer on it and I let the listing agent know uh, that this person has been, you know, fully under, underwritten if that's the case. Um, this is a lender I've worked with multiple times and I give a little kind of snapshot of some of that. And I let them know that they have, if they have any financing related questions, they're welcome to ask the lender. So I think being open with them, uh, letting them know that I think even just the openness, even just giving them the option to ask a question means that I don't have anything to hide. And so I think they trust that this person could close, that there's not any secrets there if I'm willing to put them in contact. All right. Anything else on agents and lenders? I think my, my last thought on really hiring any professional, but agents, lenders, what have you, is the way, and it kind of goes back to what Kelsey was saying about uh, being nice to people, um, the way they present themselves. So I don't think that agents who act very aggressive and say things like, I'm a bulldog, I fight for my whatever, I fight, fight, fight. You're using an agent like that, who or an agent who negotiates like that is actually costing you concessions because that behavior trickles th all the way through the deal to the seller. So you can get a lot more concessions for a buyer as an agent by saying, uh, not by going in and slamming people's heads into car doors the second that your buyer needs something, but saying, okay, hey, uh, here's the deal. Buyer loves this house. There's a few things on the inspection report that they just can't get past to make the numbers work here. They just don't want to get into a huge rehab project. Here they are. This is what we need to make this work. What can we do to make this work? Rather than you know running in and saying, my buyer needs 40,000 offer, we're walking. That doesn't work. And uh, okay. for me, it's even important how my transaction coordinator speaks to the title company because at some time, at some point in time, I'm going to need them to do me a solid. I'm going to need them to do me a favor. I need them to stay late on a Friday because my client didn't tell me that they're going to fly in over the weekend and take possession on Saturday. And I need them to get something closed at 6 p.m. on a Friday. It hasn't been very often that I've had to ask somebody to stay late or it necessitated it, but it has happened. And you're essentially cashing in you know, your brownie points. And you get that by being nice. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, a rollover. You're just persistently nice and firm. <laughs> yeah. One other thing I'll add on agents is how big is 
their team locally? How many agents do they have that they work with locally? Now, obviously, short-term shop is in some really small markets where we only have one agent in the market. And that's going to be a unique scenario because the market's so small. But in a market that's a little bit bigger, knowing that there is more than one agent on the team that can help because we have lives as agents too. We might go out of town. If I'm going out of town for the weekend and my client has a as a, a property that they want to see, do I have somebody that I can get to go get a video of that cabin for them or that property for them? So I think when you're talking to your agent, finding out, it's like, what's your local resource team look like? It doesn't necessarily mean they have multiple other agents on the team, but do they have people that they can call on I mean, I lived in I lived in Gulf Shores, Alabama for most of 2022, and I was still doing deals in Tennessee because I had resources in Tennessee, even though I wasn't physically there much of the time. Now, that's not ideal. Obviously, I moved back to Tennessee for a reason. But with Kelsey, the same situation, she's got other people that she knows that she can call on. No different than when I bought my cabin. She had just started with the short term shop, but the agent I was working with could not get there to take the video. Kelsey was so knowing that the agent has other resources available to help is really important. Yeah, I have showing partners that I can call. They're not short-term shop agents, but I have people I can call. And uh, occasionally, I've even, because I know the listing agents so well, I've even gotten permission to send my cleaner over to take a video in a pinch of a house because they know me and they know that I've had this cleaner for you know a year or two. Obviously, she's not some weirdo. All right. Well, I think that is enough on agents and lenders. Let's move on to home inspectors. How do we find these? My buyer's guide has them. I have three (laughs) that I recommend. Um, They're all three good. One of them, uh, my clients like uh, better than others. We'll see them on another episode. Uh, Adam Wright over at Spartan Home Inspection is who most of my clients end up going with. He owns a short-term rental in Galveston, and uh, he's he's just very communicative, and he'll do um, he'll do like a video call at the end at the end of the inspection. Yeah, I think obviously your agent should be uh, an ideal resource for finding home inspectors. But again, back to what we said before, you know, Facebook groups, um, Google. I mean, really, and I, I always tell like you know we have we might have like you said we got three four you know home inspectors on any of our lists. And I tell my clients, don't call just the first one and then just hire them. Call all three of them. Maybe one just connects better with you. We all have unique personalities and they are all going to be qualified inspectors because they have licenses. They're on our lists. Or even if they're not, they might have you know a ton of good reviews on Google or wherever else. But sometimes it's just the personality. Like, who do you gel with? You got on the phone with them. You talk to the actual inspector and you just connected, you spoke the same language or whatever it was that gave you that connection. So uh, definitely, I recommend taking your agent's resource list first. Um, but if nothing, nobody jumps out at you, then, then feel free to take time. As agents, our goal is to make your lives easy, but we don't want you to ever feel like you have to use yeah. somebody that's on our list. Yeah, you're absolutely free to use whoever you'd like. There's people I found that will do a good job. Um, in terms of inspection, good questions to ask. Uh, my husband is a home inspector and we used to operate a home inspection company. So I, you know, I used to take the phone calls when people were shopping for agents. And what I would always tell people is ask them how long they spend at the home inspection. Ask them, are they going to use infrared to, you know, kind of see where there's heat loss or possibly moisture? Um, is that included? Is that extra? Um, oh gosh. Do they get on the roof? Do they get in the attic when possible? Or is it just like a 
gopher type thing where they poke their head up. If you're not getting in the attic, um, uh, there's a lot you're not going to, there's a lot that's not going to get checked. So finding somebody who's even physically capable of doing those tasks is really important. Totally agree with that. And one thing that I want to make sure that everybody understands about hiring home inspectors is that, yeah, a lot of times your agent will have a great recommendation, but don't ever just go, oh, hey, agent, just go ahead and schedule whoever you normally use. Make sure that you guys as buyers are calling and speaking directly to your home inspectors asking things like, you know, what does a normal home inspection cover? What do you typically see? Because there's always going to be stuff. There's no such thing as a clean home inspection. So ask them what they tip, what kind of uh, wear and tear they typically see and maintenance items they see show up on these. Anything that you need to be aware of as somebody who isn't used to buying a beach property, but mainly just so you can interview them and hire them yourself. Make sure that you like this person. Yeah and that you understand what's going on with them. Don't rely on a third party to A, to hire any of your people for you, or B, even to like, don't have your agent call the county and ask what the rules are. Your agent needs to be the source of the source. They can tell you who to call, but you always need to call those people directly uh, just to make sure that nothing is lost in translation or anything like that. So always call your, make your own phone calls is what I'm getting at, just to make sure that nothing's missed. And ask inspector after say when you're interviewing them say hey after you do the inspection can i call you and have a conversation if i have questions on anything that you see on this report now hopefully every single licensed inspector out there is going to say yes to that but ask anyway because we see it a lot where people don't realize that they think they get the home inspection report and they think that that's the end of the interaction and it's not uh so ask that on the front end you know is it okay if i call you after i get this report i want to ask in-depth questions and they're going to do something similar to what we do as agents they're going to direct you to maybe other experts on certain things because their job is to point out things that they see but don't be afraid to ask for more information up front no know what they're going to do and, and how much of a resource they'll be after. Yeah. When when they ask that question, if you don't get a glowing feeling of that you're welcome to call them, that that's probably a good indication that they may not make themselves super available afterwards. And that that may be you may need that, you may not need that. Um I prefer I prefer to be able to ask follow-up questions if if something's needed. Anything else on home inspectors? But yeah, that's a really good point, Derek. Always make sure after you get the home inspection, don't just sit there and freak out looking at it. Call the inspector and ask them what stuff is. That's what they're there for. That's their job. Uh, One hit, uh, termite termite inspection. uh, Normal inspection to do, I believe, in in the market. Right, Kelsey? Um, you know, find out, does the home inspector do that? Or is there another pest company? Uh, you know, you want to make sure you know who's actually doing that. A lot of home inspection companies don't do the actual termite or pest inspection. So don't assume that they are. So that's something to ask on the front end. Do you do the, the pest inspection as well? Or is there somebody else that you sub that out to? A lot of times inspectors will, the, the home inspector themselves won't be the person who's uh, licensed to do it or whatever but they can schedule it to happen at the same time or on the same day. So that's kind of a convenience thing that I appreciate. Um, Because especially if you're trying to buy a short-term rental, if it's an active short-term rental, you may not have multiple days realize that. And also trying to schedule things on Saturday. If you want to be there for the inspection and all of this, you need to think about what's available on the calendar. And most likely a Saturday is not going to be the day. It might be most convenient for you as a buyer but it may not be available to you because there's already a scheduled guest. So I realize that 
you may need to take a day off if you want to travel into town for something like that. Um, in general, when you're hiring somebody, my kind of rule of thumb is if you're going to spend like 500 plus dollars on a service, I would definitely pick up the phone and call three people and decide how I want to spend my money. Absolutely. Now let's move. And I mean, this goes with for really any vendor, uh, whether it's a contractor, a home inspector, anybody. Uh, but yeah, always just, you know, make sure you do your due diligence. So next, let's talk about the people that you need in order to help you manage your property. Now I'm not talking about property managers, but the people that you need, your boots on the ground, which I'm so could not possibly be more tired of the word boots on the words boots on the ground. Uh, but that's the the phrase we have to use. Your boots on the ground. Let's start with your cleaners. How do we find cleaners? The best way to find a cleaner in Crystal Beach or Galveston is to get on a one of the local Facebook groups and ask, hey, I need to get my like I just set up my short-term rental. I need to find a good cleaner. Who would you recommend? Or search in past posts and see who's been recommended. You can also do some of your own Facebook sleuthing and search for references to those people. See if, you know, they've ever, um, anybody's made a comment about that person being great in that group. You know, you can search if, you know, Sandy Smith came up as, you know, I clean houses. Well, search in that same group and see if anybody said anything about Sandy Smith. Like, did that person get recommended by multiple other people on other posts? Or did somebody write a hateful post about how she did a terrible job? I mean, you can you can find out a lot pretty quickly. Yeah, and obviously referrals. Uh, if you're in a market that the short term shop is operating in, you you know you go to the, our local Facebook pages and ask people that are next door to you. When I bought mine, there was literally five short term shop buyers all buying in the same community at the same time. So we all got connected with each other. And then we started sharing resources because each one of us was was talking and hiring to different people. So, you know, utilizing the people that are near you, if you have the ability to get on to Airbnb or Verbo and actually send a quick message to the person who lives or owns the cabin or property next door to yours, that may or may not be against policies on those platforms. Don't get yourself in trouble, but uh, it's not a bad idea. And uh, and I know Luke has told a story that that's a big way that, you know, that they got started was literally finding the person in the market that was doing it and reaching out to them. So, you know, don't be afraid to send a message. You may get, you know, you may get a lot of no's, but it only takes one yes. If the person next door to you is friendly and they have a fantastic cleaner, they may be willing to share it with you. And it certainly makes sense for a cleaner to come and do two properties right next to each other than it does to have one that's not working in your particular neighborhood. Yeah. And it makes it nice for like, let's say something needed to be checked on. Maybe you don't have a clean. Maybe your clean was a couple of days ago and they uh, maybe they didn't, you know, they didn't exactly get to one part of it as much as they would have liked. If you're just next door, it's easier for them to kind of run in and either like say refresh a hot tub or whatever. And it's not, you know, it's convenient for them to do it. And when you're interviewing cleaners, ask them what, what they offer too. Like my cleaner told me on the front end, she's in that area all the time. And last year they had a freeze warning. She reached out to me and said, Hey, we've got a freeze warning. Is it okay if I go by your property and, and take a look at things and I'm going to bring my handyman out there and we, you know, we might need to insulate pipes. We want to go and look at it for you to make sure you're good. They were being proactive yeah. to make sure things I wasn't thinking about. I didn't even know there was a freeze coming. You know, I'm in Tennessee. I don't have any idea that that's happening. So if your cleaner is only going to show up and clean your cabin and not do anything else, 
then that's a red flag to me. So ask those questions to friend and do you check on the property? Will you go and look at this for me? Do you have other resources? You know, a cleaner should be, a cleaner may have a handyman, even though your agent may have one too. If your cleaner has one that they work with, then chances are your cleaner can get in touch with them faster than you can. If you're not local to the market, you know, it's a lot easier to have a cleaner who's well connected. So talking to your cleaner about the connections that they have, the people that they know, things can get done a whole lot faster uh, when that cleaner is, is you know, starting that process. Because if you're reaching out to your agent six months later, we're going to be here to try to help you. But six months later, we might be sending you a, a contact, but that cleaner has been working with you every day. They can probably get somebody in quicker than your agent can. And that a lot of times that repairman in this market is probably that person's husband or brother-in-law or brother or someone that they know. And for small repairs, that's probably perfect. Uh, They can wrap a pipe. They can probably, they may be able to change out a toilet or they may be able to, you know, unclog something or whatever. But do really think about, I had a client who had their uh, cleaners brother or whoever relative come and redo an entire shower. And he later discovered that it was not done properly. So if it's, if it's something that honestly could wait or is a bigger repair, don't just pick somebody because they're your cleaners, whoever find someone who does this all the time. It's like an agent, (laughs) find somebody who installs showers all the time. If you need a shower installed, you know, and don't pick somebody who's like, I could probably figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> I watched oh, the YouTube man. video once. <laughs> huh? I watched the YouTube video once. I can figure it out. Yeah, and I, so I would also say be mindful of when you start interviewing cleaners. So if you haven't, like, if you just went under contract, it's probably not the time because they're usually, in my experience, not going to give you any kind of a quote until they come out and look at the property themselves. So you want to wait till you are through all your contingencies. You know, the last thing you want to do is waste a cleaner's time and then end up terminating an inspection. Like something's majorly wrong with it. You need to go find another property you want to make. And then, you know, they've wasted their time and then they might not want to do it again. Or especially when you're in the high season and they're turning cabins all day or sorry, turning beach properties all day. And, um, so you want to make sure that you wait till you're through all your contingencies before you start talking to cleaners and um, just make sure you don't waste their time. So the ideal process there is, yeah, you're out of your inspection period. You're definitely out of your option period, we call it. Um, You're definitely going to buy the house. You don't have any qualms about it. You start, you join the Facebook groups, you search for people, you find a couple, you vet it through the Texas Coast Facebook short-term shop group. See if anybody, as long as everybody's had, say you have three, and you don't have anybody who said, um, you know, that person did a terrible job for me and stole my sheets or something like that. Um, they, you, you have three and then you come into town, interview them, plan to interview them when you come into town. It's going to take you a week or two weeks to get your property up and running. A week or two weeks is plenty of time to onboard a cleaner. All right. So now let's talk about handymen. So with a cleaner, you want one. And what you need to do is you know, make sure you, this is the person that you're going to be dealing with all the time. And this is your favorite one. And with a handyman, it's different. So you're not going to go get a bunch of backup cleaners, but with a handyman, you want to have a good list of five to 10. So the five to 10 people that you need, you have your favorites and also a handy, the handyman trade kind of is a little transient. So people kind of get in and out of it on a more regular basis than cleaners. So um, what you want to do is if something happens and 
you need somebody to come take a look at something, then you call your favorite one. If they can't get to it right then, then you call your next one. But how are we typically finding those? So you absolutely can find them on Facebook, but we have a whole list of uh, handymen and also general contractors who do, um, they're like smaller operations but they do smaller and bigger jobs. So I have one that I use. He's my favorite one, but sometimes he'll be on some two week long remodel on someone's house. He's absolutely qualified to go do it. But I've also had him come to my house and figure out, you know, what was going on with the clogged toilet. Like he can do that stuff too. But if he's in the middle of a two week remodel, he's not available to me at that time. So I have to go to person number two. And I just work my way just like any of my other clients. I'm working my way down the short-term shop vendor list to this market. So I, I'm not using you know secret resources that I'm not also providing to my clients. Yeah, I think it's, it's all the same resources. It's, it's all the same resources. It's your agent. It's your cleaner. It's Facebook. It's Google. It's all of those things. Um, you just, the, the, I think the key point to it is you, you're going to have to put in some work, no matter who recommended them. I mean, yeah, you might go with somebody that your neighbor recommended or your cleaner recommended, um, the Facebook group recommended, and it may or may not work out. I think the key point to it is no matter what the role is, is if you're going to just accept whoever somebody recommended to you without really vetting them, then also don't be upset if it doesn't work out that well. So put in the effort, put in the research, study, do some Googling. Now, if you've got a, a, a leak happening at eight o'clock on Saturday night, you're probably taking whoever the heck you can find at eight o'clock on Saturday night. But it's really good to put in the work on the front end to try to see Who's had this happen? Think about what could go wrong and plan for it. And if you know, I mean, we, we are in a short-term rental business. At some point in your career, you're going to have to call somebody at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. Yeah. So have, ask those questions up front. Look, if or when this inevitably happens, are you the person that I can call at 8 o'clock on Saturday night and you'll be able to come out and help me? Or do you have somebody that you can send out to help me? So I think when you're talking to your handyman, your contractors, these are things, the kind of conversation you have. And those are going to be the handyman. The true contractors, you're not calling those guys at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. Those are the guys you line up for the bigger jobs. Uh, it's those it's those quick handyman jobs. You want to make sure that these people are available and who is and who isn't. And you might have your number one, the person you talk to that you might have gelled with, does phenomenal work, has phenomenal reviews and everything else. But he might say, I don't do that kind of stuff. I can take care of all your regular hour stuff, but I don't do that kind of stuff. But here's a guy that I use when, or here's somebody that I recommend that will do those things. So you will have different skill sets, different handyman for different times of the day. And of course, some are going to be better at certain things than others. Some of them might be better at electrical or might be better at plumbing. So you want to ask, what are your expertise? If they tell you they can do anything, keep in mind that that means they can't do anything well. So if they can do everything, they can't do anything well, which means they're good for the little tasks. But know that if you find one that says, I'm really, really good with electrical stuff, and um, you know, I'm okay with a hammer and this and that kind of stuff. I can so you know that that guy's your he can do little things for you, but if there's an electrical job, you want to call him. Uh yeah, so knowing what their really expertise are. That's a really important question to ask them is like, what do you what are you best at? That's a that's feels like a softball question, lets them compliment themselves, but it also lets them tell on themselves if they are just like, uh, you know, whatever, anything. That's not a strong answer. <laughs> that would be a red flag. Um, and I think here too, this is your introduction. If you don't have a short-term rental, this is, this is the start of your introduction to the hospitality industry. Uh, not only is it important for me as an agent to be nice to the title company 
or whoever else, there's going to be times when you call on people for favors that you need them to lead family dinner at seven o'clock. They're at an engagement. They're at something. They have lives. They're real people. And you want them to leave what they're doing because you are having an emergency. If you've been a jerk, (laughs) keep it PC. If you've been a jerk to them, uh, they're less likely to want to help you. Uh, Lots of honey and, and no vinegar. And if something doesn't go well with a clean, with a repair, you need to be able to give them some like calm feedback, appreciate that they came. Maybe it was after hours, but let them know that it didn't quite get repaired well because such and such and give them real reasons. But you're going to have to be nice to people if you want them to do things for you on a favor. You know, you're paying them, but they don't have to show up. 100%. All right. Let me see. What else? What other what other vendors might we need for our um, whole process of buying and managing here? Excuse me, that we may not have have talked about that our listeners would would benefit from hearing about. Well, we didn't really talk, touch on insurance, um, and I think that in a beach market, especially, uh, that is absolutely critical. I, I I was amazed at the differences in insurance when I bought in Texas. Uh, versus the other stuff I bought. I mean, three different insurances, flood, wind, um, and hazard. So insurance is critical. And, and again, I think that comes down to good referrals from other people that that the insurance agents knows, because that's one area where your insurance agent really needs to know what they're what they're talking about. And you need to lean on them. Because I don't know, I'm, I'm going through it right now with renewing my policies in, in Texas. And I'm depending a lot on my agent, because that's an area that many of us don't truly understand. So you want an insurance agent that can explain it to you and explain all these different insurances that you need. You know, we mentioned the Cobra thing and this and that kind of stuff. So insurance is critical in a beach market. Other people you may run into, we have a whole episode on that one, Derek. Um, and uh, we had Brianna May on uh, over at Goosehead. Um, in addition to that, something most people have So everyone on the peninsula has access. They could possibly connect to uh, the private sewer system, but probably three-fourths of the houses are connected to uh, septic systems. So you'll need to have it maintained at some point. Uh, So there's also recommendations in my buyer's guide for and on our vendors list for septic companies, pump companies. Um, that's important as well. Um, and as a note on the list, probably about maybe six, nine months ago, something like that, I went and called literally every single person on the list to find out, you know, are they still in operation? Do they still do handyman work? Oh no, you're focusing on appliances and you just do appliances now. Okay. Oh no, I moved away. Okay. So I've edited the list. It's updated as of about nine months ago, where I called literally every single person, took me a whole day. And then the we've had a number of things come up where somebody said I had a bad experience with this person or this person doesn't do that work anymore, you know, client feedback. And so we've updated the list based on that as well. So we can't guarantee a positive experience, but it is we do maintain it. All right. Anything else before we go? Lots of great information here. Okay, guys. Well, if you are ready to buy with Kelsey in this market, you can email us at agents at the shop.com and we will get you connected with her. And if you aren't ready and you just want to hang out, talk more about short-term rentals, you can do that with us and 60,000 of our closest friends in our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Same title as my book behind me. We also have a live Q&A every Thursday and you can join that at strquestions.com. Thanks, guys. <laughs>